0: This is the Future of Cyber Risk podcast, brought to you by Team Cymru. I'm your host, David Monnier, fellow at Team Cymru. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Cyber Risk podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Brad Laporte. Thanks for chatting with me today. Brad, want to introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, David. You know, it's... Previously, been a Gartner veteran, top research analyst in the space, and now I currently am a strategic advisor and consultant, you know, helping out organizations, specifically cybersecurity organizations, with their go-to market.
0: Oh, very cool. So, do you mind tell me a bit about how you transition from analyst relations to kind of advising <laughs> startups? That's kind of a jump.
1: Yeah, it is quite a good job. So it kind of just happened over the course of many years. So kind of in order to answer that, I have to jump to the beginning. So I started off my career as a military officer. So I was in the army, and I did cyber security for the military intelligence, and really learned a lot about technologies that you know it took many years to the commercial sector and even other governmental sectors to adopt over time. And Really learned how to run in a very efficient security operations center, and really just kind of got my hands dirty with you know being on the front lines and learning what it took to protect and defend against threat actors. And then I took that knowledge and brought it over to Dell SecureWorks, where I helped elevate their security operations center. Helped build out the platform that exists today, uh, many iterations over the course of many years. And building out the security operations center that they had there, and eventually becoming a product manager and bringing one of the first managed detection and response offerings to market back in 2014. I took a lot of those lessons and brought it over to IBM. Did very similar, brought, built out the portfolio while I was there, helped bring the managed detection and response offering to IBM, as well as building out kind of one of the first versions of XDR, extended detection response through their x Threat Management Solution uh, many, uh, many years ago and from there eventually went on to evolve my career and started with one of my first startups as a product manager at Acquio and also helped them you know, basically elevate themselves and all three of those organizations I kind of helped them move up and to the right on the Magic Quadrant, so specifically becoming more leaders in their respective categories. From there, I eventually landed at Gartner. So it actually took me three years to of applying and knocking on the door to eventually get in there. And it was a logical step for my career growth in terms of I've been a stock manager. I've been on the front lines. I've been a product manager. I've built out net new offerings and knew what it took to bring something from inception all the way up to not only launch, but all the activities that happened to post-launch and all the different growth of those products over time and then taking that knowledge and sharing it back with the clients. From there, you know I basically realized that in order for me to move on, and I wanted to be more tactical and and really working with a smaller group of organizations in terms of being more hands-on and not only telling them you know what right looks like, but actually helping them with that and really grabbing the bull by the horns with them and really helping them out with their their day-to-day activities uh, from a go- to market perspective.
0: Awesome. Well, you definitely passed the uh, credibility test to use magic quadrant. Uh <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you're saying so the the Gartner purse, but definitely is true. So anyway, I'm just kidding. So, you know, when you're out and you're meeting with all these folks, probably one of the things that I think a lot of people that would be listening today would find very interesting would be to hear about what challenges do you hear from from the folks that you chat with. Because I think a lot of people out there sometimes think that maybe they're the only one seeing the kind of stuff that they're seeing or that they worry that, you know, there's no point in what they're doing and things like that because they think maybe everybody has the problems. So and I think you're probably, you know, uniquely positioned to either validate that or, or maybe even educate them on some other ideas. So what are the things that you're hearing about from CISOs out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's amazing how much people talk with each other and then also don't talk to each other. Right, so if you think you are the only one in, in the boat, then I have a rude awakening. You're not alone. There's many out there out there. We should have support groups for CISOs now, and you know everybody can come and say your name and all this good stuff. So you know, I think it's good because over the past couple of years, there's been more collaboration than ever. There's more transparency, there's more visibility in terms of you know how everything is operating. But it really breaks down to the fact that, you know, a lot of the same problems are really coming across all the different leaders in in the space. And, you know, one of the things that's reoccurring and interesting is really around trying to identify what their attack surface is and being able to mitigate and manage that effectively. And that's something, a, a reoccurring theme that's really been in place, you know, I would say arguably for the past couple of years, especially as more and more organizations. Yeah, you know, had gone through their digital transformation, they've moved to the cloud and have gone through those different iterations. And and every organization is in a different maturity level, and every CISO is at a different maturity level. There's different types of CISOs out there in terms of the different methodologies and the ways that they, you know, go about their business and happy to talk about that. But there's certainly a lot of overlaps in terms of you know the same challenges that everyone has. You know, everyone has challenges with Ransomware. Everyone has challenges in the supply chain. Everybody has challenges with pure visibility, but it really comes down to being able to know what that attack surface is and knowing what their risk exposure is, and being able to do that
0: efficiently and effectively. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've always appreciated your contribution to our industry is kind of always keeping the idea about the word attack surface, you know, and keeping people thinking about it in those terms. I think a lot of folks for lack of a better word, kind of naively took the notion of like their enterprise border. And those words kind of stuck with us in those terms. And we forgot that the real vantage was that kind of outside view in. It's not that inside view out. And it is you have attack surface. You know, you don't necessarily have an edge to your enterprise. You have opportunities, you know, to an attacker. And it's interesting to me how kind of, for lack of a better words, you know, words matter, you know, and to see, to think of your security as this is an attack surface that I'm actually keeping an eye on, as opposed to this is a set of services and ports, you know, that I'm trying to defend. And that kind of, you know, service oriented versus surface oriented, I think is a big distinction. So when you're out advising folks though, and you're, you know, you're talking about everybody is at their kind of individual levels of growth, both in understanding and capabilities, obviously, in your opinion, would you say that we are still trending up as far as capabilities, because it's so new, and we're kind of coming from zero, and it's, you know, not possible to do worse? Or would you say that the dark days of, you know, we don't know what we're doing, are behind us, and, and now we're actually getting better? Because as a practitioner myself, you know, 20 something years ago, one of the first things I realized was that some of the wins that we were seeing was because previously we'd been doing nothing. And so like any, you know what I'm saying? Any motion forward appeared to be a good thing. But, you know, really, if you stop to look and see like, wait, we've only gone this far and that, you know what I'm saying, in the amount of time and wait. So this isn't maybe a good thing. This is a symptom of a bad thing, actually, kind of thing. So I'm curious to know your take on it. Would you say that we're, are we still kind of coming up from zero? Or do you think we've reached kind of an operational baseline and are actually building into something progressive now?
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's funny that you say that because my favorite saying, and what I used to say earlier on in my career, is an old Simpsons quote, which is basically, yeah, uh, it's a cartoon for those that are not familiar with Simpsons. And it's like, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. You got to help us. So right. and it's like kind of like how a lot of organizations would have, have. And some of the calls and conversations I've had over the years is like, you know, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what I don't know. Please help. Right. And Yeah, the good news is collectively across the globe, and especially in North America and the U.S. and some of the more forward-leaning countries and regions, we have seen a forward leap in terms of cybersecurity collectively. And I'd like to, just for easy, a conceptual manner, I'd like to bucket things into the five different levels of cybersecurity maturity, since you mentioned zero which I have seen a few of those over the years, technically it's six, but it's basically zero to five. And if you take a bell curve and the tip of that bell curve, you know, if we had this podcast, say three years ago, it would fall into a level two. And then now we've actually shifted that and evolved that into level three. The things that have pushed that forward are specifically in the United States, we have the executive order, which was mainly driven by the Columbia Pipeline attack and several other key mark. Attacks that have happened over the past two, three years. And in addition to that, it's the overall adoption of EDR. Uh, EDR three years ago had about 20% adoption. Now it's over 60%. So, major shift towards detection response capabilities. And just overall, the adoption of managed detection response services, which has now gone from below a majority to now the majority. So, over 50% of managed services are actually targeted towards managed detection response. So, you know, if you look across that spectrum, we are growing as a collective, unit. Yes. now, once you start getting into pockets of verticals and specific sizes of organizations, so you have mid-size and mid-market and large enterprise, you start to kind of see that spectrum. But as a holistic perspective, we've certainly been drinking our milk and are starting to grow up and be strong individuals.
0: Yeah, it's a good sign, right? You know, I don't get to chat with as many as yourself. But I also am kind of op- optimistic that we're no longer at zero kind of thing. It might, like I said, it might just be because I'm hopeful that uh, things aren't the way they used to be, as I recall them, at least. So maybe it'd just be wishful thinking. But I also I'd share your position on that. I am curious, though, you know, you talk about verticals and sectors and you know different components kind of of the world of the market. Let's call it that. Do you find that there are different drivers based on them? Like, are there certain sectors? Like you mentioned the executive order, right? EOs are nice. They don't usually have many teeth and even usually even less dollars behind them. I helped start one of the ISACs, for example, and, and learned that lesson myself. It's you know easy to swing a pen, but uh, hard to make those things happen. But like that executive orders a driver, I could see like actuary math, actuary sciences being, you know, like on the compliance side, being a driver like, you know, we've determined that these things are risky. So you got you guys all have to go out and stop doing those things. What do you think are those drivers? Is it our boards waking up to the ideas that these things are necessary or are they being made to realize that these things must be necessary as part of their business? So is it more business risk or operating risk or what would you say are the big drivers there?
1: The biggest driver, I would say, is where the laser beam is being focused by criminals and threat actors. So the early 2000s, it was financial. That was the target. And then financial wasn't really treating cybersecurity important. And you know, not a lot of organizations weren't you know, in verticals weren't keeping it that way. And then we had a big push of regulation. So now we have PCI, we have FFIC, we have all these things. That you, All these things that you have to adhere to to have that minimum bar. And then they've gotten the appropriate budget and has the oversight of like, this is where we keep the money, so we need to protect it. So now they're considered the most mature vertical out, out of all of them. And then basically healthcare. Healthcare had the same scenario where you know up until COVID, they were relatively you know, relatively You know, left alone and then they were low paying fruit. So basically, a lot of them increased their devices by over 20%. They had distractions with COVID and dealing with the real worldwide crisis that we had. So they immediately became a top target. Now we're seeing manufacturing. Manufacturing has gone many years and saying, hey, our OT environment is separate from our IT environment. We're, you know, not in my backyard. You know, I'm not going to get hit. And then lo and behold, Who's the number one vertical that's getting hit right now and it's because of industry 4.0 now everything is connected to the internet you have the internet of things operational technology the extended iot we have all the things that are now connected to the internet and organizations can't keep up with it you mean you mean to tell me when manufacturing had to kick up their supply chain efforts? And when healthcare had to up their support for COVID, that they were actually keeping track of all those assets and how they were configured and who the asset owners were and all of that. just like, just like that, you know, magic, right? Because that stuff's really easy, even though over 75% of organizations manage all their assets out of Excel. You know, it's just like, yeah, the organizations don't know what assets they have. And because of that, they don't know what their attack surface is. And therefore, they don't know what their risk exposure is. And then therefore, the cascades and there's a snowball
0: effect. Yeah, that's a very interesting answer. Because I would kind of put your, I would call that then that we're still kind of recovering from some relative zero, right? Where Because the bad guys are deciding what we do next. And that kind of still puts us where we were coming from this, like, well, we're not doing enough, or we're doing nothing, you know, type of a thing, Mm -hmm. we're not doing the right thing, or what have you. So given that, and you still take the position of that things are moving ahead and that actually they're not as bad as they used to be kind of thing. So it's it's an interesting perspective, right? When you see that the bad guys are still kind of choosing the fight, but yet we're still kind of moving ahead. It's still an overall, you know, net win, unless I misread your optimism or misunderstood the optimism of your first answer. But it is, a, you know, I hope you see what I'm saying, the, the kind of dichotomy yes. of that circumstance is, is interesting. But I guess it says a lot about kind of, you know, how far we've come. So, you know, in that vein, tell me like, so you're out meeting with startups, you're kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, you're getting a glimpse with a crystal ball, right? You're seeing some people who want to go out and solve tomorrow's problems, or today's problems and give you a solution for them, you know, by tomorrow kind of thing. And that's kind of the startup concept, right? So they pick something to go out and do. I'm curious to know, you know, in these startups that you're meeting with, like in the next five years, what security tools, technologies, things like that, are you paying attention to now that you're excited about that you think are going to be like movers, shakers, you know, things that change things over the next five years?
1: So if you talk to anybody that's been around the block for a while, so some of the bigger players, if you ask them what their number one threat is, and they do like a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, The number one threat that should be on everyone's docket is the new guy in the neighborhood. So the next person is going to come on the scene and basically disrupt the whole market with a new way of doing things. And really, to dovetail into that, what's on the forefront of of the mind of every CISO around the world is consolidation. There's far too many tools that are in the operating environment that they can't keep up with it. So... Most of the socks out there, are, you know, if they're not half staffed, they're pretty close to it, or at least trending towards that mark. And you know, there's a large amount of double-digit amount of tools that they have to run their environment. And you know, over 70% of organizations have over 16 more tools. That's a lot to keep up with, and a lot of it is actually much higher than that. And what ends up happening is that it, instead of setting them up for success and protecting them, it ends up resulting in misconfigurations and not being able to keep up with it that it ends up doing more harm than good in some cases. And that's where the biggest concern is. And a lot of times when I talk to CISOs who are evaluating different solutions, they basically flat out and say, "Like I have to replace two tools in order to add one. So you better be able to do something better, faster, more efficiently and cheaper than your competitor. And otherwise, like, you're not even gonna get an intro meeting with me. And that's the way that startups need to start thinking in leapfrogging. You don't don't think the next five years, think the next 10 years. And if you can solve for the next 10 years, then the next 10 months is really that's what your roadmap is. And that's how you need to start thinking. Because it's not going to be easy for the next 10 years as it was for the past 10 years. Because we're already seeing pressure from an economic perspective. There's a lot more scrutiny in the cybersecurity industry in terms of funding and getting to the next round of funding. And that scrutiny is going to carry forward. So consolidation is a big component of that. And specifically, some areas you know, get more tactical and more of a micro component is specifically, I think, anything around services, because there is a fusion between products and services. I mean, everything has to be a service. Everything has to be continuous, full stop. Like if you're not designing something to do that and work across a hybrid environment, so across you know public, private, cloud, on-prem, all that stuff, that's enough that's here to stay. So your visibility has to be across that full spectrum. Those are that's table stakes. And for whatever reason, there's still products out there that don't fully understand that and don't fully understand the need around multi-tenancy because everything's gonna be a managed service in five years, or at least from a hybrid perspective, like a hybrid stock. You know, some level of components going to be outsourced. It's just there's not enough people to go around to deliver those services. So you're gonna have to outsource. And you know, that's a key component. And the other thing is there's a rising evolution around the overarching spectrum of exposure management. So are my security tools working properly and how secure am I? Is the key question that are being answered. So specifically looking at your attack surface, so ASM. Would fall under this attack surface management, fall under this. But also really, what am I vulnerable to? And then specifically what you know, validating that that stuff is working properly and having that be in unison. And there's going to be a consolidation of a lot of these disparate tools that are out there. You take breach and attack simulation, you take ASM, you take some of the elements of cloud security, like cloud security posture management, you take things like vulnerability analytics and certain aspects of that and threat intelligence. And a lot of these things that are basically looking at the different risk exposure that you have and extrapolating that across your entire environment. And that's where a lot of organizations are investing in. And Gartner's number one priority for 2022 is attack surface management. And a large portion of that will eventually evolve into exposure management as well.
0: Interesting. So, you know, hearing you answer all that, I think it sounds like you're saying, that the things that are the hallmarks of success are kind of seeing the forest and not just the trees. The people who can Mm -hmm. see the whole thing are the people who are going to have the advantage going there. So are there any specific technologies that you see coming up though, that you think are going to change everything? Or do you think right now it's the ability to apply existing stuff to this with this different perspective? Would you say perspective is the secret right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one layer of it. It's still very embryonic. So, you know, I think we should come back and look at this five years from now and see, sure. you know, like, where was David and Brad thinking back then? Yeah. But, you know, I would postulate that there's certainly going to be rapid consolidation across the exposure management element. I think that that is going to be critical across the larger spectrum. So you have, like, the elements of managed security services, and then you're certainly going to see an increase in professional services. But, you know, things like pen testing and vulnerability assessments So certainly the growth rates in those areas are, are very very high but they're also very costly so there is a switch towards as a service so you know pen testing is evolving it's a pen testing as a service there's red teaming assessments so basically that's becoming automated red teaming and you're seeing like automated compliance converting into you know rather being a static assessment like if you come in you do a pci assessment. actually having that be a continuous basis. So it's not such a heavy move. But eventually, I see regulation moving that towards that. I, I definitely anticipate within the next five years, PCI assessments will be on a continuous basis. So you know, that's really that continuous security validation area where there's the biggest area of growth. Because we've kind of hit a point of diminishing returns on how far EDR can go. XDR is still growing up and trying to figure out what it's going to be when it grows up. Their SIM and SOAR, you know, we've kind of hit a point of diminishing returns in the areas for the highest level of growth, especially over the next five years, is something that basically goes through and does that operational readiness. So like, yeah, you have all this stuff. You have all these tools, you have the people, the process, the technology, but is it all working the way that you think that it is? And going through what I call the fire drill, you know, when that fire drill goes off, then, you know, is everybody getting in a straight line and it's out the door that they're supposed to and going to the safety point that's
0: pre-designated
1: or are they running around there, they're, 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 right. <laughs> they're throwing their hands up and going all crazy like they do. You know,
0: there is always that one though running around acting crazy in my experience, even if everybody uh, knows it's a drill. So it's just funny. Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up for us. So, I mean, you've got a lot of experience. You chatted with a lot of people out there. If you could in like a one, two, three kind of a way, you know, what are, three actionable pieces of advice that you would give to security leadership listening to us today if they want to try to succeed at defending against cyber risk?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is identifying what your current state is. Once you identify what your current state is, where do you want to be? That's your desired state. And the third component is the gap analysis of how do you get from the current state to the desired state and beyond and doing continuous improvement from there. And I think that a lot of organizations fail to launch in that particular area. It's such a simple concept. You know, anyone listening to this is going to be like, well, of course, of course. But like, really, no, really think about it and actually get with your team. Make sure, you know, basically, you should be able to talk to 10 people in your organization, anywhere in your organization, and get the same answer out of all 10 people at any point in time. And I guarantee that there's less than 1% of organizations out there that can do that effectively right now. The CEO might think it, but if the frontline worker doesn't, then you fail. You do not have alignment vertically across your organization. And if one C-level leader is saying one thing and the other C-level leader isn't, your CEO and your CISO are not aligned, then you don't have horizontal communication across your your leadership and never in between. It's a whole mesh in terms of organizational structure. And that's just the people aspect of it. Now consider how difficult the technology is and all the procedures that go into that. And it's not just a one-time effort. It's a process, not an event. So it has to be a continuous component of, okay, well, you know, once you have your current state, you hit desired state, and then that then becomes your current state. Then you have a next desired state. And then you start evolving into crawl, walk, run. And then, then that's how you get from maturity level one to a two, two to a three, three to a four, et cetera, is you identify those key components and then and drive it forward. I'll support all of this by saying, when you have your desired state, have it be use case focused in terms of what are the core things that you're looking to solve. So I want to solve ransomware and basically prevent against ransomware. I want to protect our brand. That's our top priority. I want to get our click rate for phishing in social engineering down to one. You know, actually make it into smart polls, quantify it, have it be actionable in terms of the way that you can evolve it over time. And I think that like, I mean, I've honestly, after thousands of conversations that I've had, I know people have acknowledged this, but what ends up happening is when they go to implement it, you meander. There's other things, there's shiny objects, there's different things that get you off track. And although it's a very simple concept, it's actually rather difficult in terms of practice in order to, to move forward.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a regular occurrence. I've encountered a bunch of that as well. I think one of the things that's very interesting also is the folks that find themselves in these predicaments where they it's like they have a compass, but they don't know where they want to go. Or like they've got a bicycle and like they have realized you can ride it, but they haven't yet thought, well, we should go somewhere on it. It's a very interesting circumstance for them. I always wonder sometimes like do the frameworks help these folks just like NIST, you know, like is it, does it give them an idea of the amazing places they could go on a bike kind of thing? And and I always wonder how do those people first get started? Because, you know, there's CISOs out there that have no, you know. So experience, you know, for what it's worth, Uh, Mm -hmm. just like they were the guy who got stuck with the job. And I always wonder, like, how do those people get started? And I think of like those greenfield resources that you have, right? So like the NIST framework or, you know, just starting points. And I always wonder, like, is this even appealing to people? Does this look like someplace you even want to go on your bike kind of thing? So So, Brad, one last question before you go. So RSA is coming up. And I saw that you are speaking at America's Growth Capital West Coast Technology Conference. Can you tell us a bit more about those and how our listeners can come see you or tune in to hear you?
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh, some of the top leaders uh, in the cybersecurity space and the tech- technology space, and there's the full lineup of different capabilities or basically sessions that are there. So I am part of a, a larger panel that's put together, and um, specifically, we're going to be drilling into kind of the exposure management space. It's a mix of not attack surface management and kind of automated security testing capabilities in terms of you know, how to basically elevate and take your security operations center and your security program to the next level.
0: Very cool. So what about social media, things like that? So if folks want to follow you, what's your details there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, LinkedIn is the best thing. I'm also on Twitter. Um, it's also the best way to get in touch with me. And yeah, i constantly posting new things, new content, and uh, happy to help anybody that's uh, in need.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brad, for joining us today. We look forward to seeing how things go for you. And as you uh, continue to uh, champion these concepts, hopefully folks will be uh, respond well and, and uh, take your great advice and execute on it hopefully we can keep in touch. Uh, and like you said, maybe we'll have the end you know, the five-year reunion show where we get together to see how <clears throat> mistaken we were. All right. We'll find it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brad. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Cheers. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Future of Cyber Risk podcast brought to you by Team Cymru. For the latest episodes, please visit team-cymru.com or search Future of Cyber Risk on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks, and we'll catch you on the next episode.